Well, as most of you know, uh, when I got off the, the trail last summer, I spent a couple months just talking about all the metaphors and the symbols hiking on the Colorado Trail. And as most of you also know, there's one part I didn't talk about, <laughs> which is when I, when I got lost. And uh, that kind of came up uh, this week. So you'll hear part of that story uh, today. And uh, just wanted to read from the, the Gospel of John. And, and part of the reason I was hesitant to, to talk about this, I, wasn't quite, I didn't quite know what to do with it. And just kind of spending some time with it and learning from that experience. And, and my, between myself and Ro and Jennifer, we all had, and we still have different understandings of that experience. <laughs> So I'm only speaking of the experience I had, and not for them, though. So I just want to read from the Gospel of John here. Just one verse here. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. And one of my favorite lines, that we all just continually receive grace upon grace, that unconditional love and that acceptance. And also wanted to bring in, before we take some time, just to pray and reflect on that, um, Richard Rohr has a wonderful um, uh, interpretation of Genesis. I know we've all probably spent a lot of time with Adam and Eve story and, and just a metaphor and symbol there and what, what all that means. But he has a, a great, I love how he looks at that story. He says that um, Adam and Eve are in the garden and God is walking through the garden. They hear God and they hide. And then uh, and God's calling out, where are you? Where are you? And, and then Adam says, here we are, here we are. And he said, what are you doing? He goes, why were you hiding? And he said, we were naked. Because we're naked. And God says, who told you you were naked? Who told you that? How did you know you were naked? And what it is, is they have this sense of shame for being naked. Because they're naked. Who told you that? And we all struggle with this shame from time to time in our life. And then later on in the story, a part that I haven't really even looked at that closely, um, <clears throat> God sews these or makes these garments for them, this clothing for them. And Rohr's understanding is, and he, and he gives them these clothes, and he covers up <clears throat> their shame. He covers up their shame. So it's this beautiful, tender image <clears throat> of God covering up our shame and, and releasing us from that. So as we take some time just to pray and reflect on these, uh, on grace and then uh, that shame as well that comes into our life from time to time, uh, I was going to ask the question, what is shame and what do we do with it? What is shame and what do we do with it? And we'll talk about that in light of that grace, which is so life-giving as well. So let's take a few moments just to pray and to reflect on that. Let us, let us pray here. Okay. Well, this certainly uh, uh, came up uh, when Ro and I were hiking on the trail and, and just uh, spending some time with uh, things that happened out there as well. And it was right towards the end when I, when I got lost on the trail. And I called this uh, particular meditation just uh, a, cup, a cup of hot tea. A cup of hot tea. And just reading this verse from John again. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. And that image of God making these garments and clothing Adam and Eve and covering up their, their shame. It's just this 
very tender image of God. Well, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Jennifer and I, uh, we went to Durango uh, to eat out and also to browse at Maria's bookstore, which is a, a favorite pastime of our, any bookstore. We just like to kind of walk around and look at books. And, uh, and we weren't going to buy any books, uh, but as often happens, we ended up leaving with three or four books. And I, I found this was before our retreat uh, on the divine in nature. So I, I bought a, a copy of An Altar in the World by Barbara Brown Taylor. And Jennifer bought uh, several children's books uh, for herself as well as her, her first grade class. And we decided we just could not live without these books. <laughs> and there was a young woman, uh, probably in her early 20s. Matter of fact, I know she's in her early 20s. And she was, she was checking us out at the front cash register. And she had a multiple earrings in both ears. And I don't know why, but I like to see if I can count all the earrings before we get out. So I was trying to count all of her earrings. <clears throat> and she also had a silver stud in her nose. And she wore very comfortable clothes and sandals to go along with this very big, warm, gracious smile. She was just this picture of peace and calm. And she said, did you find everything you were looking for? And we said, yes, yes, we did. And I placed our books on the counter there. And as our kids would say about this, this young lady, our cashier, she had this very relaxed, <clears throat> very hip, laid back, and Andy would call it a, a mountain vibe. A mountain vibe was going on there. And I read her, her name tag as well, and she had her name, and she also had her, her pronouns, she and they. She and they. And I was thinking about that as well. But she just was so comfortable. And she had this wonderful smile and relaxed in her own skin. And I found myself just admiring her, her at ease with who she was. Now she was ringing up our books and, and I was kind of looking at her and she was kind of gazing. And we had this thing going back and forth with one another there. And we were trying to size each other. And I, I know her from somewhere here. And she asked me, she said, did you hike the Colorado Trail this summer? And I went, uh-oh. <laughs> I go, who is she? The only way she could know that, we must have bumped into each other on the trail. So in a nanosecond, and it's literally a nanosecond how fast our brains work, <clears throat> I was scanning my memory of all the people that me and Ro met on the trail. Because we must have met her somewhere along the way. And she could see my confusion or my lack of recognition there. And she goes, I was on the trail crew. And I knew immediately who she was. And I said, were you on the trail crew that rescued me? <laughs> and she blushed. And she goes, yes, yes, I was. And I said, well, thank you so much. And I thanked them profusely when they rescued me as well. I said, you'll never know how much all of you did for me. I said, that was just so embarrassing. And she just had the sweetest disposition, even at the bookstore. And she said, you do not need to be embarrassed. She goes, you don't need to be embarrassed. And I said, and I can't remember, though. I go, I can't remember who you were. And she said, well, I was the one 
who gave you a cup of hot tea. And I said, I remember that. I said, I remember that. She goes, you were pretty out of it. (laughs) And dehydrated when you wandered into our camp. Well, prior to that, after missing a turn on the Colorado Trail, which you would think would be pretty hard to do, but it's actually pretty easy, even though it's all signed very well, I walked for several miles on another path. And when I finally realized my mistake, I actually said a prayer, and I realized this could be serious trouble here. And I said, God, help me here. (laughs) I said, I don't know what to do. And I hadn't seen anyone for three or four hours. And after I said that prayer, I walked another quarter mile, and there were two guys camping next to this river. And they had topo maps, and they had their minds about them. And they showed me where I was and where I needed to be. And they turned me around, they said, go back. And it was just a steep, steep canyon. I had spent two or three hours hiking down. I go, I don't want to go back. <laughs> so that's the best thing you can do. Go back where you came from. So I turned around and started walking back to where I wandered off the trail there. So I found my way back at nightfall to a place called Bear Town, which is just an old mining camp. It's no longer used, of course. And I remember when I went off the trail, noticing several tents there, so I wanted to get back there before nightfall. And when I walked into this camp, there's four or five tents, I realized it was an all-women trail crew that was camping there. And Roe and I had actually passed them earlier in the day where they were doing maintenance work on the Colorado Trail. And I, could just, I was imagining myself walking into this camp with all these young women and me all grizzled with a 34-day beard, looking like Grizzly Adams. <clears throat> and it's kind of probably staggering a little bit as well. And I walked into their camp, and they welcomed me, even though I was a stranger. And they set up a tarp. They said, you know how to set up a tarp? And I said, no. <laughs> and so they found the tarp. They set it up for me, and it was on a bed of rocks. I remember that. That's the only place, halfway flat place left. They set this tarp up for me for the night, and one woman gave me some fresh cookies to eat, and I remember how, how great those tasted. And another person, another woman, sent a message to Jennifer on her satellite phone, letting her know that I was all right. And even, all, even though all of them were my daughter's age or younger, they parented me. They parented me, which is a very strange feeling when you have that reversed And they were taking care of me, making sure I was all right. And I remember sitting at their campfire with that cup of hot tea and just trying to get my senses back to myself here. And someone asked, and I wasn't for sure, but I think it was the the lady who was checking us out there at Maria's. She said, Craig, she goes, how do you feel? How do you feel right now? And I said, I just feel so stupid. So stupid and so embarrassed. I go, how did I miss that turn? And I said, it's also going to be a really long night for Roe, and he's probably going to be camped out there in the middle of nowhere with just a tarp, and I'm here, and I don't know where he is, and he doesn't know where I am. I said, it's going to be a long night. And I said, I'm just sick to my stomach here. And this one young woman said, well, your son ran by us earlier in the day looking for you. And he was literally running down the trail. 
They go, he's pretty strong. He wasn't breathing hard. <laughs> she goes, I'm pretty sure that he's going to be all right. And she goes, and so will you. And it's going to be a long night, though. And her words in the tea warmed my heavy heart and my rain-soaked body. But I still felt so inadequate and so responsible. Anything could happen during the night there. And Father Richard Rohr writes, we all have that terrible feeling of, of a fundamental unworthiness. We live not just in an age of anxiety, but also in a time of significant shame. He says, I find very few people who do not feel inadequate, stupid, dirty, or unworthy. So what do we do with our feelings of unworthiness and inadequacy? What do we do when we don't feel acceptable? And I'm guessing it happens all the time to us at different times of our life here. And whether we can admit it or not, shame is pervasive <clears throat> and also a very destructive part of our society, says Rohr. And theologian Lewis Smedes, he wrote a book called Shame and Grace, Healing the Shame That We Do Not Deserve. I'd recommend it. It's really a great book. He says, we have shame when we feel we are not acceptable, maybe unworthy, and are less than the good person we are supposed to be. And shame is a vague, undefined heaviness that presses on our spirit and it dampens our gratitude for the goodness of life. And that shame robs us of all joy. But there's good news. And the good news is that the experience of grace saves us. When we have that experience and we know that we are loved and accepted, it changes our very being from the inside out. And we need grace, rather, is the beginning of our healing process because it offers the one thing that we need most. What do we need most in life? And Smead says it is to be accepted without regard to whether we are acceptable. And grace overcomes shame. We are accepted wholesale. We are accepted with no possibility of being rejected. Accepted once and accepted forever. And this is the good news that we have a hard time accepting, not only as individuals, but as a church, and certainly as a society. And what does it mean for us to live in grace, to live in that total acceptance? And Jennifer and I, we stepped around the counter there at Maria's bookstore. <laughs> and the phone rang. <laughs> well, we stepped around the counter at Maria's bookstore, and, and, and this young woman and I were just sharing experiences of that night and, and recollecting things and commiserating with one another. And we, stuck, and we stepped around the counter, and she stepped to the side as well. And we just hugged each other and embraced one another. This beautiful young woman who radiated love and grace. And I thought again while I was there just about that trail crew who loved me and accepted me. And they did not condemn, shame, or guilt me. 
Not one of them said, how could you possibly do that? (laughs) All they did was love me and care for me and point me in the right direction the next morning. (laughs) And they were wise and graceful beyond their years. And I'll be forever grateful for them. And after we finished hugging one another, Jennifer and I, and this young woman, uh, we both said, Jennifer and I, we said, thank you so much. And we picked up our books from the counter, and we turned to leave. And our angel smiled at us, and she said, but you still need to pay for your books. (laughs) 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 And I said, see how easily I get distracted? (laughs) I go, I think that's what happened on the trail. And we just laughed wholeheartedly. And my prayer for all of us is that we may have an experience of amazing grace. That song we sing. We have this experience of amazing grace where we are just accepted and loved and just forgiven. And it just changes us from the inside out. So may we have that experience that heals us and it also brings us home. Amen.